Well, good morning, church. Good to see everybody here. Good group. I'm excited to be here. This is our third and final week of this little mini-series called Habitudes, talking about how our attitudes and our habits affect our lives. And I just want to say I'm thankful for each and every one of you that are here. Uh, we'll be back in our teaching series that we started a few weeks ago before uh, the Holy Week, the Easter uh, uh, season, uh, called Fighting for Your Life, talking about spiritual warfare and how we can live not just a victorious life, but an overcomingly victorious life against the um, uh, forces that are work against us in the world and the authority that Christ has given us through his death and resurrection on the cross. I believe that for every Christian, God has won for us a great victory so that we can not only break free from the strongholds that, uh, that, that seem to bind us and hold us down, but that we can not only break free, but we can walk free and help others be set free as well. But for this week, we're going to finish taking a look at um, Philippians chapter 2, our, our passage there. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there to Philippians chapter 2. The verses will also be on the screen today. As we look at uh, not only what happened to Jesus displayed for us through uh, coming here as a man, through his death and resurrection, but also the results of developing godly habitudes in your life. And just like Jason said uh, this week, this is a momentous occasion for Vertical Life Church. Three years ago, 30 people on April 20th, 2014, surrendered to follow God's call on their lives to organize Vertical Life Church. I was ordained and installed as the lead pastor, and a lot has transpired in those three years. In those three short years, we have laughed together. We have cried together. We've seen lives change. We've seen families restored. We've seen needs be met. We've seen God use imperfect people, just like you and I, as instruments to accomplish each and every one of those tasks. One of the exciting things to share with you this week as well is just over the last two weeks, go ahead and John, I have a slide popped up here. This is something to celebrate. Over the last two weeks, we've had six people come to Christ Six people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is exciting. That is amazing. That is why we gather week after week. Life change happens here. Why? Because God's people are elevating the name of Christ. The word is being declared. And when God sends his word out, guess what? It does not return void. God changes hearts and lives. And we're excited for that. So invite your friends, invite your family, tell everyone you know to come be a part of what God is doing. If they're looking for a spiritual home, invite them. If they don't like God, invite them anyways. You know, we want to see God do a work in their lives because he's been doing a work in ours. Over the last three years, there have been some ups and downs, but God has been faithful providing, leading, guiding, protecting, and rescuing us from the hand of the enemy. And I believe that we are now just on the cusp of a season of growth. I believe God is getting ready to water the seeds that we have been sowing into our community, into an, our families, and that we're going to begin to see a fruitful harvest come to fruition. Now, over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been going through this series, Habitudes, and I believe this is just a small portion of what God is developing within us. But my wife and I were talking this past week and about why is it that as Christians, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. We read our Bibles, we memorize verses, we share them on Facebook. We sense the presence of God at times. We just feel like, man, God is just all over me today. I feel the presence of God in me. I couldn't feel closer he, unless he was here physically in my presence. We can be attuned to the Holy Spirit. We can hear his voice and we'll respond. And we're just like, man, I have this incredible relationship with God. But yet we still struggle to follow through with what we believe. We still struggle to follow through with what we say we believe and what we want for our lives. Just like Paul the Apostle says, I do the things I don't want to do. And I don't do the things I know I should do or that I want to do. We can be so close to God, but yet still struggle so much. And I know people here today, you think because I'm up here preaching that I've somehow gotten all of this down, that I've arrived. Newsflash, I struggle with this too. I struggle with this too. This is tough because it talks about identifying truths about yourself and being willing to do the work to change. 
But see, this is why the scriptures were written. The word of God says the word of God was left to encourage us, to point us in the right direction, to continue to guide us, to strive to honor God with our lives, no matter where we are on our spiritual journey. You know, not only is it difficult to change habits, but it's incredibly difficult to change attitudes, especially when the negative attitudes that we have become so habitual. Not only our habits are motivated uh, by bad attitudes, but when our bad attitudes become habitual, they promote more and more bad what? Habits. So it can not only be challenging, but it can also feel near impossible to change our situation because of how we feel about our situation. And one of those bad attitudes that we need to change, the culprit really that's at work in the midst of every struggle, one that's become so ingrained within us that reveals itself all throughout the day, just about every second of the day, is pride. Pride. Pride is the root of every sin. Pride is the source of every bad attitude. Pride is the catalyst of every bad habit. And everything we do to contribute to the dysfunction in our lives and in the lives of those around us is the result of pride. Pride is at the center. In week one of this mini-series, we talked about that Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes, but not for to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to give you a rich and satisfying life. And Jesus demonstrated for us how to have that rich and satisfying life by the way he lived here on the earth. We see that even from a young man that he lived a life full of favor. He had a wealth of favor. He had the favor of God on his life, and he also enjoyed the favor of men. Everyone around him loved him and blessed him. And why? It's because he also enriched and blessed their lives. He was a joy to be around. And last week, we talked about the one habitude that if we would implement this in our lives, it begin to change everything else. It begin to kind of undo some of the struggle and dysfunction that we experience. It begin to have a dramatic effect on our lives and that it would lead us closer to that rich and satisfying life and help us enrich the lives of those around us. And that habitude was the habitude that we called position isn't everything. Position isn't everything. And Jesus modeled this habitude as he gave up his divine privileges. God, uh, Jesus was part of the Godhead. He was part of the divine relationship we call the Trinity. He was equal in every way to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. He was one of the divine. He was the creator of all that we see. Scripture says that God used Christ to create everything that we see and experience. That he spoke with the word, and the word created all things into existence. Jesus was divine and equally divine with the Father. And yet he willingly gave up his position, his rights, and his privileges to serve not only the Father and the Spirit, but to come here and serve us. And last week we talked that if we would stop fighting for position, stop fighting for being number one, and we would give up our position for the sake of love, we would be in the prime position to be blessed by God and everyone around us. But the difficulty with giving up position is the fact that pride is so habitual. It is so habitual. And for the most of us, I would say in this room, our first reaction isn't a sub reaction of submission or grace and mercy. Even if it looks like it on the outside, our hearts reveal inside that there's a different story going on. There's pride. Pride is the promoter of position. Pride is the source of offense. Pride is the problem. And the problem with pride is that just like every other sinful attitude, it breeds dysfunction in our lives. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, Solomon says this. He said, pride leads to what? Conflict. Pride leads to conflict. You see, pride says, I'm first, which in turn makes others feel unloved. Pride says, I will not forgive, which in turn makes you bitter. Pride says, it's my way or the highway which in turn makes others feel unvalued. Pride says, I shouldn't have to, which in turn lets others go unserved. Pride says, take care of yourself, 
which in turn makes others go without. Pride says, I don't have to change, you change, which in turn destroys relationships. Pride says, I will not repent, which in turn leaves a trail of brokenness. See, pride is the killer attitude that destroys the very thing that we need in our lives to pattern ourselves after Jesus, to have that rich and satisfying life. And we do so many things out of pride. Pride influences us to strive to be revered by men, promoting us to do and say whatever it takes, not only to be accepted, but be respected by others, to be promoted, to be elevated, to be in that group that's above and beyond everyone else, even within the church. Pride can even be the motivator of most, if not all, your religious participation. I mean, think about this today. Are you concerned with what people may think of you if you don't do everything people say you're supposed to do when it comes to being a Christian? I mean, what would mother say if we don't show up this week? What would the pastor say if I asked for a vacation day? What will people think if I go up to the altar and pray? Or what will people think if I don't go up to the altar and pray? Pride can be the motivator of even our religious participation. Jesus confronted people in his own day whose entire spiritual lives, their entire faith life was motivated by pride. Everything they did was for selfish and self-centered reasons. We read this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, and then in 16 and 18. Here's what Christ says. He says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Verse 16 says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus is speaking about and, and, and discussing people who are giving to be seen, who are praying to be heard, who are fasting to be respected, all spiritual duties that have incredible spiritual benefits if done in the right spirit, the right way. But Jesus says that for these people, the motivator of these deeds was pride. And the applause of men that they received was all the reward they would ever get. You see, the abundant life that Jesus came to provide us is really a combination of two things, the favor of God and the favor of men. But first and foremost, the favor of God. If our aim is only man's applause and what people think of us, the favor of God will be left out. And we will have our reward, but it won't take us very far. Pride robs us of the first and most important thing we need to experience that rich and satisfying life. It robs us of God's blessings. And not only does it pride rob us of the blessings of God, but most assuredly, it guarantees more struggle. Proverbs 11, verse 2 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Pride leads to conflict. Pride leads to disgrace. Pride leads to more and more dysfunction. And the question could be asked is why? Why does pride guarantee dysfunction in our lives? And we see from the Word of God in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, this is what the prophet says through the Word of the Lord. It says, Human pride will be brought down. Human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on the day of judgment. For the Lord of heaven's armies has a day of reckoning. He will punish the proud and mighty and bring down everything that is exalted. Here the prophet Isaiah records that God even has a special day reserved to bring down everything that is puffed up with arrogant pride. Pride not only breeds dysfunction in your relationships, but sets you in the very opposition side 
to the Lord. It places you in the sights of judgment if you are uh, far from God and don't have a relationship with Jesus. And it places you in the sights of discipline if you are a child of God because of pride. Why is Jesus or God against pride? What is it about pride? In Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, Solomon says, there are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. What is the first thing that Solomon lists here out of the seven things that God hates? What is it? It's haughty eyes. Haughty eyes in the original language means to exalt yourself, to raise yourself up higher than someone else. God has a righteous hatred against pride and sets himself against those who are prideful because not only is it the polar opposite of his nature and character, but because of what it produces in the heart and in the lives of men. Haughty eyes produces a lying tongue, hands that kill innocent, feet that race to do wrong, false witnesses, and those who sow sow discord in a family. And in our theme text here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, we see the example that Jesus Christ left for us. Uh, beginning at verse 5, it says, You must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being, and when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. That is the attitude that Jesus displayed, what motivated his godly habits, which promoted the favor of God and man in his life was humility. He humbled himself. And because of humility, he lowered himself below those he was equal to and those whom he was exceedingly far beyond. Why? Because there was no pride in him. There was no pride in our Lord and Savior. And he could have the habit to that position isn't everything because nothing in him, nothing within our Savior was fighting for position. He was perfectly, perfectly content with who he was. But there's another character in the Bible who also lived in heaven, who took a different approach. We read about him in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 through 20. This is what God's word says about this person. He says, you are the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue-green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis lazuli, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. I adorned and anointed you as a mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God, walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, almighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty, your wisdom corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. This is the origin of the one we call Satan. He was perfect in beauty glorious in splendor. He was elevated to the highest position an angel could be elevated in heaven. And what happened? Pride filled his heart. And what was it that he wanted to do? What was it within himself that he wanted to do? The prophet Isaiah reveals to us in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 and 14. He says, oh, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star. That term, O shining star, is the name Lucifer. That's where we get the term Lucifer, son of the morning. It says, you've been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of God, the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Satan became so full of himself, believed his own press, that pride welled up within him 
and that position God gave him in heaven that was far above any other created being was no longer good enough for him. He wanted more. He wanted a higher position. He wanted to be greater than God, worshiped like the Most High. He wanted to be worshiped above all. And because he puffed himself up, God cast him down. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, Jesus said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud. See, when we hold on to pride and we let pride determine our behaviors, not only will those behaviors bring dysfunction and struggle and turmoil in our lives, but God himself opposes us. He withholds his favor and thus increases our difficulties in receiving the favor of men. Why? Because God is not for you, but against you. And when God is against you, like Satan, you too will be brought low. Proverbs 29, verse 23 says, pride ends in humiliation. This is why our sin eventually finds us out. This is why what is in darkness eventually comes to light. This is God will stand against you and expose you for what and who you are. And when he exposes you, there is no place to hide. A few short months ago, in all honesty, I had to be humbled. I had to be reminded that God opposes the proud. And it was one of the most difficult experiences I have ever had to go through. But I'm also learning the truth of the second part of the verse in James 4, 6. James says he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but what? He gives grace to the humble. So when you turn to God in humility, you repent of your sins, God will shower you in his grace, and he will love you back to your feet. He will drown you in his favor. Pride keeps us from being teachable. Pride keeps us from life change. Pride keeps us in denial and in the dark. Pride keeps us fearful of being found out. Pride keeps us fighting for positions we don't deserve. Pride keeps us from the rich and satisfying life Jesus came to provide. But humility opens the door and invites into your life the favor of God. The core concept of this message today is very simple. And it's the habitude that each one of us, including myself, need to walk in each and every day. And it's this. You need to humble yourself so you don't have to be humbled. Humble yourself so you don't have to be humbled. The exalted will be brought down. The prideful will be opposed. We need to humble ourselves so we too don't have to be humbled. God hates pride because he hates what pride produces in the hearts of men. But with humility, he can change the world. You see, Satan wasn't equal to God. He tried to elevate himself. Jesus was equal to God, and he humbled himself. Two very different responses with two very different outcomes. Satan was cast down and humiliated. We read in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, what we see happen to Jesus. Verse 9, it says, Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, and gave him a name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the Old Testament, when God appeared to Moses in the fiery bush, and he called him out to be the leader of the nation of Israel, to lead Israel out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt, he said, go down and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses was afraid that the people wouldn't follow him. So Moses asked God, God, who should I tell the people sent me? What God is sending me to deliver this people? And God told Moses, tell them, I am that I am sent you. And in the Jewish culture and the Hebrew people, that name, the I am, I am that I am, was the most holy name of God. It meant all authority, power, glory, splendor. Everything was contained in that name. And they revered it so much that they were afraid of misusing the name that they never even spelled that name accurately when they wrote it down. 
They would misspell it purposefully because that name was the most holy name of God. When the people come to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and they ask him, are you Jesus? He responds with the name. He says, I am. It was considered blasphemy for anyone to utter that name. And here Paul the Apostle tells us that because Jesus who was equal to God, submitted himself to the Father. Because he did, the Father has now elevated his name above every other name. The name of Jesus now is the most holy name. It is the name that holds all authority and power. It is the name where every knee one day will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Satan tried to elevate himself and was cast down. Jesus humbled himself and was lifted up. And even though it may feel like humbling yourself to serve others will enable them to walk all over you, it may feel like you'll get mistreated more than treated fairly, it may feel like you will get taken advantage of more than you'll get blessed. James 4, verse 10 says, if you humble yourself before the Lord, he will lift you up. In honor. See, when we humble ourselves before men, we're really humbling ourselves before God. And when we humble ourselves before God, it is He who will lift us up. The first and most important thing you need to live a rich and satisfying life is the favor of God. And what we see in the life of Jesus is that when you humble yourself, God lifts you up in honor. And when He lifts you up, you'll go farther than you ever thought you could ever go. And the beauty of this is that the favor of men will follow. Habitudes are so vital because our attitudes determine behaviors which determine our habits. Our habits will either promote blessing or breed dysfunction. And we can either take the humble approach that says, what can I learn about myself? What can I admit about myself? What can I uh, realize within myself and change about myself to honor God and bless others? Or we can hold on to pride, which says, I'm fine just the way I am. It's everyone else that needs to change. A humble heart is a repentant heart. And a prideful heart is a hard-hearted heart. And what we decide about our habitudes will determine how rich and satisfying our lives can be. Jesus lived by example. He died to open the door. And he has provided us the opportunity to walk the path through that door towards a rich and satisfying life. Now, as we close today, as we think about these habitudes, as we think about what Jesus modeled for us on the cross, we think about the things that were going on in our own lives. I'd like to do something just a little different for our response time today. I'd like to do something that is going to take some humility on our part today. In honor of our third birthday, Just before we go enjoy some cake and get the noisemakers out and take a family photo, I'd like to invite anyone in here this morning who's been personally touched by this ministry in a way that has made a significant impact in their life or in your faith in just a moment to come down and in all humility take a brief moment or two and share with the church what God has done in your life through this ministry. See, I believe God is at work. Every time we meet here, God is doing something. He's revealing something. He's changing something. He's restoring something. He's mending something. And I believe that most of us don't get to hear the stories or see the results that is going on. And as we look and reflect on the years past and what we've gone through, and we look together in the future of what we might be up against, I'd like to take just a few minutes to share praise to God together as a church for what he's done among us, to encourage all of us to keep focused on the mission that he's given us, to engage people where they are and lead them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ, to not let pride well up within us to say, look, we've arrived, but to continually humbly look at our lives and say, what else, God, can I do for you? What else can I allow myself to be available for so you can do a work in our lives. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to bring the microphone down. And I'm going to ask you, whatever God lays on your heart, 
to come share with the church. All right, Father in heaven, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the example of Christ on the cross. God, we thank you for the humility that he displayed. And when I think about the pride in my own life, God, how it feels like an impossibility, but I know that through Christ, all things are possible. With man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so, Father, in that faith and belief today, God, I just ask your forgiveness for the pride in my own life. In the ways I've not displayed the humility of Christ in my life, God, and I just pray for those here today, that whatever we're going through, that we would look back to the cross and we would realize that you are with us every step of the way, that your love covers a multitude of sins. And God, through your power and through the Holy Spirit, you'll do that work and you'll continue to work in us to bring about glory in our lives, Father. So I just pray now in this moment, I thank you for Vertical Life Church. I thank you for what you started three years ago. I thank you for what you've accomplished. I thank you for how you've been working among us. And I thank you as we look forward to this next year, the work that you're gonna continue to do. God, I thank you for those that accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior and allowing us to be a part of that life change, God. And I look forward to more who are gonna come and accept Jesus. For those that we're gonna encounter in our places of work and then uh, just out on the street as we go to the gym and go to the gas station and the places that we're out and about, God, as we're just sharing Jesus with people, the, those that will accept Christ because of the testimony of your people here. God, I just pray that we wouldn't become prideful and self-centered and complacent, but God, that we would stay humble-hearted and continually look for ways that we can honor you with our lives through humbling ourselves before you and before others. And that through that humility, we would truly experience that rich and satisfying life. We praise your name in Jesus' name, amen. All right, for the next few moments, church, we just let the Holy Spirit guide this thing. If God has done a work in your life, maybe even this morning, and you just want to share what God has done, I'm going to invite you to make your way down here, share a couple minutes, and when it seems to close down, then uh, we'll dismiss. We'll go have some cake and, uh, and have a little partay, okay? Whoever wants to come, you come. Just stand to your feet. Don't everyone come at once. Amen. Amen. I ask you to introduce yourself for those that don't know you. I'm Andrew. Pleased to meet you all. I uh, just want to say that through this ministry, through finding Christ here, I've learned how to communicate a little more in my family and uh, learned how to act quick to anger. And uh, just wanted to share that with you guys, and thank you for having us. want to thank Pastor Joey and the church here, the many little notes that I would give to him and say, can you pray for this loved one? I saw, we saw miracles and restoration, so I'm eternally grateful. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks, God. Amen. Praise God. Most of you know me, I'm Stephanie Smith, um, since not very many people are coming up here, it might take me a minute, okay? I've been through a lot, um, Vertical Life Church um, has helped me grow, um, several of the leaders here have helped me move into more of a leadership position, I didn't ever think I would um, be able to be in charge of anything, I didn't feel like um, I was worthy enough, the things that I've done in my past, I didn't think I could like, why would God want me to do anything for anybody else? Like, why would he choose me? And a lot of the leaders here have helped me grow, helped me understand that. I am important. 
to God, and so is everyone else. And no matter what your background is, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, you are worthy and you can do it. You can, you know, if there's something in your heart that you're wanting to do, share that with others. You are worthy and God wants you to rise up. God wants you to go out into the world and tell the world about him. And Vertical Life Church has helped me gain the courage and the strength to rise up and do that. I've had a lot of personal issues going on in my life and every step of it, Vertical Life Church was holding my hand. They were right next to me, holding my hand, supporting me through everything that I've been through. And I'm so very thankful to call Vertical Life Church my home. Amen. Thank you, Steph. When I first started coming here, I came by myself, and I would pray that my family would join me someday, or even just go to some another church, but to give their hearts to God. And here they are today. And last year we went through a lot of pain and struggles. It was very bad. Things seemed like they would never get right. But by praying and keeping our faith and with the church, with their support, we surpass that. And we are being blessed over and over and over this year. And I want to thank God for that. Praise and for God. this church. Thank you, Jesus. And by humbling myself to volunteer and help this church grow, I've just been, God's really been working in my life. Amen. Thank you. I just wanted to share my story. Sometimes when we pray for things, we don't always expect them things to happen right away. And sometimes um, the answer prayers are just so in your in your face that you don't even realize what's going on. But I don't know. It's been a, probably a month and a half ago when I came up front to the altar. I was feeling com- completely defe- defeated. We been through a lot over the last year and a half um, with health issues with our son <clears throat> and then I don't know where my voice <clears throat> and then we were in a car accident and I had a, a lot of um, head issues at the time where I couldn't remember things my hearing was off and I just felt like I couldn't figure out anything more for my son to help him because because of what was going on with my brain. And so I told Joey, I said, you know, I just feel like things that I needed to be able to help weren't working. And we prayed that day. And by Tuesday, I was with some of the girls for our Bible study. And I'm like, you know, I'd seen every time I talk or they talk or we were talking in my, um, well, when I went to the neurologist, they had told me that I had severe brain damage on my left side. And it was all on the left side. They showed me on the test that I had done. And every time we would talk, my head just started tingling on my left side, my left ear, and the left side of my neck. And by the end of that week, my brain is back. I can remember anything I read. I, um, I'm not in severe pain anymore. Praise God. And it was just like, yeah. here's your an- you know, answered prayer right there in front of your face. So just wanted to share that with you guys because God does answer your prayers when you don't expect them to sometimes and so things are a lot better and I don't feel defeated anymore so amen praise God thank you thank you thank you my name is Dan Shamel and it's been a prayer of mine for a long time to uh, start a business of my own. And uh, I'm proud to say today that I am a business owner of yeah. Shamel Lawn Care. Yeah. Um, yeah. Through prayer and tithing and going to church and changing my lifestyle, it's now happening. And um, I just like to thank God for that. Praise God. Awesome, man. Good job. Yeah. Good. 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 
Bible says, and let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, which is the return of our Lord Jesus Christ and taken us in the rapture. I've been praying that my children will go to church and find a church that would be comfortable in. And my daughter says, Mom, I found a church through the parade in Clio. And here she is. And I have her family. i got my other grandkids here. And I just praise the Lord that God's faithful to find a place for your children, even if they don't like the one you're going to. He's faithful. He says, as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. And I raised my kids the best I could to love the Lord God and to serve him. And it says, when you do that, when they mature, they will not depart. Praise the Lord. Thank you for this church that my children and grandchildren just love being here. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And the reason I think we're supposed to stay in church so much as the day approaches is because this is where the Holy Spirit is going to do his marvelous works. Yeah. In the last time, there's going to be a mighty harvest. We had six people saved in two weeks, and that's not enough. Amen. We're almost home. Let's keep working. That's right. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You bet. You bet. Thank you. Anyone else? going to churches with my mom and back then it felt like a chore as a kid but now as a mom myself I just really want a place where my kids feel welcomed and they can be saved and we've tried other churches before and it was either I didn't feel like I they were really speaking to me or my kids just didn't like it they cried every time they went to the daycare there and here both my kids feel like their home they Love going to daycare, and I just really like it. I mean, praise God. Awesome. Yeah, good. Praise God. Thank you. I'm Cassandra, and if you have children in the kids' area, you probably see me at the check-in table. I've currently taken that over to help out um, with the check-in to make sure our kids are safe when they worship, but I've been here since the beginning, and I don't even know where to begin because this church has blessed our family in more ways than I could ever imagine. But because it is our birthday, I'd like to touch on some of the things that we find important here at Vertical Life, and that's crazy generosity, and that's one of the main reasons um, that Vertical Life has touched our family. Um, we have three children. They're 13, 10, and 3, and Brian and I, when we were praying to have our, uh, our third child, we weren't sure financially if that was something we could do, and God spoke to me in a dream. We were blessed with a beautiful baby, but of course, Satan's not going to let you be happy all the time. So he attacked our finances. And before, there was weeks before I even knew how much we would need. The church was always just there. Vertical Life Church is in tone with the Holy Spirit. They're constantly praying, and, and it's just amazing what God can do when you don't even realize what you need. God is providing it through this church. And that has been a huge thing for me. My son was baptized uh, two years ago. And my daughter, I, I, I was very worried about them being baptized without understanding, so my daughter put it off. And Tony was worshiping and serving the children's ministry one day, and she told the kids about how she was saved from her Sunday school teacher, giving her testimony. And the following week, my daughter had asked the Lord into her heart. And she chose to be baptized by her own doing and fully understanding through the ministry of this church and the willingness of the people that are filled with the Spirit to minister to our children. Yeah. We also, from this church, we've seen Hope International uh, sex trafficking program come alive through uh, Laura Fayette being called to Detroit and starting a ministry. Yeah. And recently, her ministry has touched a dear friend of mine, and through God's grace yeah. and obedience, Tony and Joey were able to pray with her, and she was literally on her deathbed, and they were not expecting her to live Last Sunday, Laura went to church and worshiped with her at her church, and she's fully healed. 
So there are so many things that this church has done for my family, and I know they continue to do for everyone else. And we just, one of the things that I just love about Vertical Life is we are true people seeking to be Christ-like. And I don't think I've ever met another group of people that have ever served God truly with their heart and wanted to be the best Christians that we can possibly be. And we seek just to be what Christ asks us to be, and I see that every day. Amen. Here's God. Thanks for coming. doing I'm uh, Chris it's uh, many of you known me for a few years now um, I've had the pleasure of knowing you from the uh, humble beginnings of this church uh, about three yeah three years ago we met at a coffee shop you know we we started up pouring out of that place and then uh, God brought us here and uh, I just want to let you all know I am thankful for all of you and uh, three years ago I was brought low you know enjoyed I had the sermon about being humble humble ourselves I was brought low the hard way, and uh, through that, you know, the suffering, the hurt, I have experienced myself through the things I put my family through, whatnot. We are a church that will meet you right where you are. For those of you that are new, we'll meet you right exactly where you are, and we will walk with you all along this journey. You know, because we're a humble church. But I want that's if that's any takeaway that I want to give you. That would be. A, uh, that would be our church. We meet exactly where we are and help you become fully followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, a line from a song that many of you probably know by Mercy Me, it's called the, it's called the uh, Hurt and the Healer. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that this is, that speaks volumes about our church, that we are all hurting and on this journey together. And I was talking to my wife this morning about being having our house nice and perfect and tidy and all that, it's great. But I want you to all know that we're real human beings. We haven't got it together. We've not arrived. And uh, I'm just so grateful for this church for being that, where we can share our hurts and our struggles and we can say, look, here we are. And as imperfect as we are, but we're humble for one another. I love all of you, and I look forward to getting to know a lot, many of you new faces, and uh, so grateful. That's hard to believe. I didn't even know it was our third, uh, third birthday today. So, thank you guys. My name's Chris Callahan. I'm the bistro guy. Um, I've, I've been with the church since new beginnings, you know. Everybody loves the coffee. Um, I know, Joy, you see me sitting in the back just watching, but God's blessed me more than anybody else that I know. I've died twice. I've had diabetes since, I'm, since I've been three, so I've had it for 43 years. And it's taxed my kidneys, it's taxed my eyesight, it's, it's taxed my heart, and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? He still keeps me going, and I still praise his name. Amen. You know, so th this church has stood behind us and, you know, prayed with my wife, sat in the hospital rooms with my wife while I was sitting in there. So... You know, we appreciate everybody here, and we appreciate everything that they've done for us. Yeah. And stuff. So, happy birthday. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Yeah. All right. As we look forward to this next year, just remember that even when we encounter struggles and trials, God will see us through. And we just stay faithful to him and cling to his word. No matter what we go through, we'll be better for it on the other side. And as we share our faith, the same life change, the same things we see God do in our lives, he is going to do in others. And that is why we're called to be ambassadors of the gospel, to tell people, hey, God is alive. The Holy Spirit's real. 
And you will have a life-changing encounter if you place your faith and trust in him. It's an amazing thing. And uh, I'm thankful for everyone here. I love everyone here. And I'm excited that we get to celebrate our birthday. We got some uh, unnecessary calories coming at you here in just a couple of, a couple of seconds. Uh, if we can, uh, if you get those of you that are parents, when we dismiss, get your kids and uh, get uh, them checked out and meet us out in the foyer. We got some party favors to hand out. We're going to try to get a family photo uh, in all the chaos. It'll be a silly photo because we know a serious one ain't happening. Uh, but uh, we'll get a family photo and then we'll cut the cake and then uh, I'll spend some time just hanging out and celebrating. And uh, I thank you all for being here this week. I bring somebody with you next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about some serious stuff that has uh, 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 power, I believe, to really make a difference in our lives and those that we uh, know and love. So, Father, we just thank you. Uh, I pray, pray now that as we dismiss here and we just go into a time of fellowship and, and we just leave this place today, God, I pray that your hand of favor would be upon us. God, that even the strife and struggles that we brought with us in this place, God, that we would just humbly turn away from that pride. The pride that says, I'm first. The pride that says, I need the position. You humble ourselves and say, you know what? Jesus is the only one that is worthy of being exalted. And so, God, I pray that we would exalt your son Jesus with our lives. That we would give him glory. And that we would strive every day to not only live that ourselves, but to encourage each other to live that. And I just pray, God, when we fail, that we would just humbly come to you and to each other and to cling to one another so that we can encourage each other to continue to move forward in our faith so that you can continue to work powerfully among us. God, I thank you for this day, this church, your son, and all your many blessings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.